The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. Literally, the measure that a person measures for himself, that is the measure that they deal with him. This is the famous concept of midah keneged midah, measure for measure. Which is whatever a person does in the way of avera, so Boreolam orchestrates it that it will come back to him measure for measure what he did in punishment. Referring to the sota specifically, which is a classical example of how the midah connected midah works. The sota lady adorned herself to make sin. Right? She made herself beautiful in order to trap the, the guy to make the sin. And therefore, Boreola, measure for measure, makes her disgusting. Like we said in the previous Gemara Yot, that they would take off her hair, unbraid it, take off her jewelry, rip her clothes. He gilta et She revealed herself in order to commit sin. So therefore, they revealed her. As we said, ripping the clothes, revealing herself. She, when committed a sin, the first pleasure that she got in the sin was on the thigh. Because that's the first uh, 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 place that where she uh, has the hana'a. And then it goes to the stomach. So therefore in the curse... When the Kohen curses her, he says that her yerich is going to uh, buckle and her stomach is going to explode. And that's not the way it happens, but that's the way the Kohen curses. She started with the yerich, the thigh, and then uh, the stomach. So that's the way the curse goes. But don't think the rest of the body did not get saved, which means the rest of the body also is going to get punished as well, look at the Rashi. Yarek hitfil ba'averat tehila bederek tashmish hayarek nehenet tehila bekiruv basar, which means the flesh is nehenet first on the thigh, and then uh, the stomach costel hanaa uh, is from there as well, and therefore she gets cursed. The pasuk says betet tashemit yerechech nofelet bet betnech. Sava comes the Gemara. Ama Rav Yosef. Afalgav de mida betela bemida lo batil, which means even though we don't have the four punishments of beddin, that's the mida, sekila, serefa, herek, bachenek. The four punishments of beddin are not in existence anymore. That means mida betela, mean midat arba mitot betin bemida lo batil. Bemida is bemida shemodedim ba modedim lo, which means if a person, uh, let's say, committed a sin that's hayav one of the four mitot, God will give him a certain punishment that is similar to the four mitot beti. That's called bemida, right? That's the midah connected midah. The amar of Yosef ken tanir of chiyah 
מיום שחרב בית המקדש, אף על פי שבטלה סנהדרין, ארבע מיטות לא בטלו. ואיבן דוד יש לא מוס סנהדרין, אבל ארבע פנשמנטים לא נולדו. כמו שאתם מדברים, We see that they were nullified. There's no sekilah sinifah hedik v'hanik after the destruction, after the, after the betin was dismantled. Ela din arba mitot no batlu. The law of them, which means the midah connect the midah of them. Somebody that was hayav sekilah, which is stoning, he'll get something similar to it. Or nofel min hagag, or he'll fall from the roof, because that's what he used to do in sekilah also. They used to throw him off a two-story building. Or he'll get eaten by a, um, an animal, which means a lion will come and attack him and throw him to the ground. So that's also like Sekirat, they threw him to the ground. Anybody that was Hayab, Mitat Serefa, which is fire, or he'll fall in a fire, or Nahash Makisho, will get bitten by a snake, which burns his insides. That's mitat saif. That's the sword. That's how they kill him. They kill him by the sword. That's the government uh, punishment. Or he gets uh, attacked by robbers. And that's the way they would kill him with the sword. Somebody was hayav hanika, which is strangulation. Or he drowns and he dies of uh, he can't breathe. He drowns in the water in the river. Or he dies from Srunki. That she says that's a certain type of disease in the Garon. Of course, that causes him like an asthma of some sort where he cannot breathe. So you see that even though the Midah was Batil, Bimidah lo Batil. Which means, that he gets a similar punishment to the Arba mitot themselves. Mepharshim ask over here, you see sometimes that uh, people do not get the punishment. Sometimes the worst the Sha'in, they die in their bed. So the Tosafot explains that that's sometimes uh, one of two reasons. Either God is giving them all their reward in this world, in order that He can punish them eternally in Ulam Abba. Like the Pasuk says, بِفْرَوَحْ لِشَعِيمْ كِمُعَيْسِبْ وَيَسِسُ كُرْبُعَلِعَبِنْ هِشَّمِدَا مَعَدِعَادْ that sometimes the Shaim flourish to punish them eternally. That's one hajbon sometimes. Another hajbon might be is that it's a zikhut to die from one of these punishments because it's mechapir. But sometimes the rasha is so great that God doesn't even give him the zikhut to get a kapara. So therefore, as bad as it sounds like, but at least the person that gets a quasi sikila, it's like he got sikila, but therefore he's mechapir. So sometimes the Rasha is so great that even the even the Bemida he does not get. Tanya, we have a Braita Yarbi Mihiromer, Minayinch Bemida Sha'adam Modid Ba Modidimno. How do we know this concept from Pesukim? So the Pasuk says Shane Emar Besasea Beshaleha Tirivenna. Okay? Now in this pasuk over here, the hakamim are playing on the word sa'a'a, which sounds like the word se'a. Se'a, we know, is a big measure. So that she says, Betoch ota atzma, Which means God is going to punish the goyim when he sends them out, Besa'a. Which means with the same measure that they uh, leveled against the Jews. So therefore, with the same measure that's going to be leveled uh, against them. So the Gemara now comes along and says, good, but a se'a is a big measure. So there may be only on big things, you know, when it's a big punishment, then God goes for the measure and the measure. So the Gemara says, any ela se'a, minayin lerabot tarkav. Vahatsi Tarkav, Kav, Vahatsi Kav, Rova, Vahatsi Rova, Tuman, Veuchla, Minayin. Jeez, these are all smaller measures. Smallest measure being the Uchla, which we say is a measure of 164th. The Tuman is an eighth of a measure of a, of, of a log, and so on and so on. How do you know, even on smaller sins and infractions, that Bolem also uh, counts that to the Midah, Kenegad Midah? 
תמוד לומר, because the פסוק says, כי כל שאון שאין ברעש. כי כל, כל comes and says, every שאון, every measure, even if it's uh, small, that also adds up to the מידה, they're learning it from the extra כל. Okay, so therefore everything. Minayin shekol peruta or peruta mestarefet hashbon gadol. Now, how do you know? Literally, every penny adds up to the big calculation, which means sometimes God doesn't punish right away. Sometimes He lets the averot accrue until they get to a certain amount, and then He punishes for all of them. Right? So how do you know every peruta that she says? Even though he didn't get punished for me the first time, don't think that they uh, waved it off. They just put them on his account, and they accrue, and they grow, and they grow until they, until he gets punished. Because the Pasuk says, which means one at a time, in order to, Mistaref to uh, conclude or to be included in the Hajbon. God adds sometimes one at a time, little at a time, until it gets to the big Hajbon for punishment. Now the Gemara gives many examples by the Sota <coughs> based on what she did, <coughs> what they do to her. The Gemara says, "He amda al petach beta liraot lo lefichach kohen ma'amida al sha'a nikanor umare kelona." She stood by the door of a house in order to be seen, right? In order to lure in the <coughs> adulterer. So therefore, they do the same thing. They stand her up in front of Shah Nikanon, the Beit Hamikdash, which was actually the entrance, really towards the Azara, which was the crossroads of the Beit Hamikdash, and therefore also to show her shame, lakol to everybody. He persalu sudarim naim al rosha leficha kohen notel kipa me al rosha umanihot ha'af lagvea. She put on fancy sudarim, uh, fancy cloths on her head in order to make herself beautiful. So what do they do? They take the cloths off and they throw them on the floor, right? They uncover her head. She put on like makeup on her face to beautify herself. Therefore her face turns green. In the process of the punishment of the sota, right? She loses her color. He kahala lo eneha lefichach eneha boltot. She put mascara on her eyes, therefore her eyes bulge out. Which means, even though these punishments are really not explicitly written in the Torah, hachamim had traditions that a whole body becomes uh, destroyed in this punishment, including her eyes bulging out. He kahala lo etzara. She braided her hair in a nice way. Therefore the Kohen unbraids. She pointed to the man with her finger. I mean, she stood by the door and she, you know, she went like this, telling the man to come in, to come into the house. So she used her finger in order to entice, so her nails, her fingernails, fall off. Again, not explicitly written in the Torah, but Yahazal had a tradition that this was part of the punishment of the Sotom. Every part of the body that got involved in the sin, he hagralo bitzutzul, right? She put on, you know, a special type of belt, let's say, you know, on the big clothes that we talked about. So the ficha kohen nevi hevel ha-metzari, ve koshela lemala midadea. Therefore the kohen, Brings this heaven amisari, this rope that was also from the from the palm tree, which is also very thick as well, very wide, and also ties her above her dadim. He pashtalo et yerecha. She revealed him her thigh. Deficha yerechot noflot. Therefore, what happens? Her thigh, like the pasuk says, falls. Right, she collapses. He kibelato al keresa. She received him al keresa, which means on her. Stomach, therefore her stomach.
explodes. He or swells. He echilato ma'adane olam. She fed him as well. She fed him all the delicacies of the world. What type of korban does she bring? The minha of the sota is barley. Barley is a rarer type of minha. Normally the minha is brought from wheat. Why? That's also ma'achal behema, the food of animals. With that connected midah. He hishkatahu yayin meshubah bekosot meshubahim. She gave him to drink. Good wine in very fancy vessels. Lefichach kohen mashke maim hamarim bemekidah shel heres. Which means that's why they give out the drink, this time water, in a very cheap vessel, a vessel of heres, of pottery. She did her action in seter, in private. So the Yoshev Beseter, who's the Yoshev Beseter? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that sits in the, you know, in the secretive place. What does he do? Samba panim. She says, "Panim over here means belashon penai." She's God takes time in order to, meaning He takes from His time. Lipara mimena. Understand? Which means she um, she went beseter. So the Yosef beseter also takes time in order to punish her. Shere emar, like the pasuk says regarding people that commit adultery. Ve'enoef. Shamra Neshef, which means the Noef waits till the evening. Why? Lemor, by saying, Lo Nobody's going to see me. Veseter Panin Yasim. Right? And he puts his uh, uh, situation Beseter. That he tries to be, you know, put himself in private. But the Basuk is really saying, Beseter, Yoshev Beseter. God, that's Yosef Beseter Alion, Panim Yasim. He's going to take from his time and punish the Noef and Noefet. Davar Acher, another interpretation, he Aseta Beseter, right? She acted Beseter in private. Hamakom Persema Begalui. And she thought she's never going to get caught. She tried to keep her action uh, hidden. Boreolam makes it that everybody's going to know what she did in public. Shneemar, tikase sin'a b'mashaon, tigalerato b'kaham. She's the one that tries to hide what's hated by God. Tikase sin'a, right? He tried to hide what is hated. But Pasuk says, tigalerato b'kahal. God is not going to uh, let it go. He's going to reveal to everybody exactly what was done. Now the Gemara goes back. You told me about a pasuk above that every little avera is counted to the midah connected midah, which is every little uh, thing peruta peruta mistaref lehashbon gadol. So once you tell me that even on a small amount, you're telling me that there's the midah, keneged midah, kichol sa'on su'an bira'ash lamali, which lamali, which is what do you need, the pasuk of chol sa'on su'an, which we learned from there, that every little shi'ud, every little measure, right, not only a se'ah, big thing if a person does, but even a small item, there's going to be a punishment as well. So comes the Gemara and says, look at Rashi. Rashi says, Kol Sa'on, She'af Averot Ketanot We learn from that person, even on the small Averot that God punishes. So comes the Gemara and says, Lichmida. You need that pasuk to tell me that it's a working in a measure for measure. The first pasuk, Achat Lachat, comes and tells me that every single Avon, God doesn't live at it. Everything's in the Hajbon. Don't think God only, you know, punishes on the big things. Every single thing is in the punishment. Sa'on Sa'an comes and teaches me, and when he punishes it, it's for a midah connected midah. It's a measure for measure. So there's two different in Yanime. It's every item is counted, and when it's counted, it's counted in a midah connected midah. 
So Gemara says, Umehar de nafka le michi kol sa'on so'an beraas. What you tell me from that pasuk that there's a midah connected even on the small averot besasea b'shalechateli ben alamali. So what do you need the first pasuk that came and tell me even on the big ones? Can you tell me even on the small ones there's a midah connected midah? So certainly on the se'a, on the big averot, there's going to be a measure for measure as well. So now that pasuk is extra. So the says, no, we can use it for something else. That God does not punish a nation until he's ready to send it out for good. Which means a nation never recovers. Once Bore Olam is fed up with the nation and he's tolerant and he lets the Avirot, like we said, the crew and the crew finally Bore Olam says, now's the time. So when it reaches the Se'ah, when the box of Avirot are full, when is that usually? When God is about to send that nation out of world history. So now the Gemara says, Mashmawat, that once a nation is ridden, they don't come back. Tini, we have a contradiction. Remember in the dream of the Saddam Mashkin, he dreamt uh, the dream that Yosef eventually interpreted, but in his dream there were three kosot. There were three cups. It says the word kos three times. So the Gemara is Doresh, what do those three cups represent? That's the one cup, the cup of bitterness that the Egyptians drank in the time of Moshe. Right when Moshe, uh, with the Borei Olam, of course, destroyed the Egyptian Empire. The times of Paro Necho also they were uh, attacked by Nebuchadnezzar. He also came and attacked Paro in Mitzrayim. And then in the time of the Geulah, Misraim is going to fall with all the other uh, enemies. So you see what? The Egyptians recovered, obviously. So therefore, I thought you just told me that once the measure is up, that's usually the time where God is planning on sending it for good. But it's not so. The Egyptians that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, smote came back and they were around in the times of Nebuchadnezzar. And those are the same ones that are going to be around so it's not the shot like that, that God waits till he wants to, you know, ruin the nation. So maybe you'll argue like this. Maybe you tell me it's a different people. Which means it might be not the original Egyptians. It's people that live in Egypt, but it's really not Egyptians anymore. So therefore, yeah, which means maybe the world got all uh, mixed up. So therefore, just because what happened to, to Moshe and Miriam, they're over. You don't have the original Egyptians. These guys that Nebuchadnezzar came after, they were different people. And uh, the guys that are going to be uh, smitten at the end of time, uh, they're going to be a different nation. Kebra says, no, it can't be. We have a brighter. Amar of Yehuda. So he says, Rabbi Yudah is saying, he's had a friend, his name was Minyamin Gera Misri, right, the famous Egyptian convert, who was a student of Rabbi Akiva. Minyamin happened to be a Tamil Hakam. And Minyamin once said, Amar Minyamin Gera Misri, Ani Misri Rishon. Now we know the law that a third generation Egyptian convert is allowed to come into the Kahal. The first two generations, or three, three first two generations can only marry within themselves. So Minyamin is talking about his situation. He says, listen, I'm a first generation, and he must Rishon, then Asati Misrit Rishona. So I married a first generation Misriyah convert, which was okay. Now, his child is considered what? A Misri. Shini, says, I'll marry my son off to a Misrit Shinit. So my grandchild be permissible to come to the Kaal. See, his son was a second. He didn't say, I'll marry my son to a first. Because we learned in the second Yibamot that when it comes to the Psul, you always take the stronger Psul. So therefore, if his son would marry a first, the child would be a second. Understand? Which means you always go to the Pigam, 
when it comes to this. So he says, I'll marry my son who's a second, to a second generation Egyptian, Misriyah, Misrit, and from them will come a third generation. But what do you see from here? This was many years later, and he's still calling himself a Misri. Which it sounds like what? They're the same ones. So don't tell me that they were different Egyptians. Because if they were di- different Egyptians, then the law of Misri Dishon, Misri Sheni, Misri Shishi would not apply. So they've asked a question. So the Gemara says... Now, it's, it's interesting to know that in Masechet Berachot, Rabbi Akiva rebuked uh, his student. and said, you're wrong. He said that... The Egyptians, uh, after Sanhariv came along and was bebelbeled the whole world in his uh, war, so therefore not everybody is on their, is in their, is in their territory. Now that doesn't contradict what we're trying to say over here, which is even though he challenged them and said the Egyptians in Egypt maybe are not the real ones, but that's all he said when he was bebelbeled the world. But it's master, even Abiy Akiva was agreeing, they're still around, they're just somewhere else. And that still poses a question of what we're trying to prove over here. Because we're saying that God, when He's ready to do away with a nation in totality, sends them out. So I don't care whether they're still in Egypt or they're somewhere else, but there's still Egypt in the world somewhere. Okay, so you have to readjust the statement. Which means God does not punish the king until he's ready to oust them forever. Which means until he's ready to send them out for good. Once the se'ah is filled, when he's ready to send them out for good. Pasuk says, God says, Lo Shaniti, I did not repeat. Ve'atem b'nei Yaakov. And you, the children of Yaakov, Lo Chilitem. I did not destroy you. And he Hashem. Lo Shaniti, what is Lo Shaniti? I did not repeat. Lo Ikiti le'umah v'shaniti la. I did not smite a nation and repeat. Which means once I attack them, I attack them for good. And I did not allow the Goyim to finish Klai Yisrael. That's what the Pasuk says. Which means, my arrows will be finished in them. God says, which is the Jews are going to be punished so much that there's not going to be any more arrows. So it says, Yeah. Jeez, the arrows will be uh, finished, but not Klai Yisrael. Chitzai achaleh. Right? The, ar- the arrows that are going to attack Klai Yisrael, they're going to run out. But Am Yisrael is still going to be around. Now on a personal level, God doesn't take retribution on an individual. Until his box is complete, his box of sins. She's God is patient. He gives a person a chance to make teshubah. However, if a person keeps on accruing more sins and sins, so he waits until the box is full, and then the punishment comes. Like the pasuk says, the pasuk over here is in Iyov bimloot sifko yetzer lo kolyad amel. See, when his measure is going to be filled, then Yetzir meaning he's going to have misfortune. Right, misfortune and bad luck. Comes the Gemaran says, What does it say? What does it mean in the Pasuk in Badonai. Laisharim Nava Tehillah. Right? Raninut Sadiqim. The Sadiqim are uh, praising God, singing to God, Bashem, Tashem. Laisharim. The straight ones, the ones that are Yesharim. Nava Tehillah. Right? To them, the praise is is, is fitting. Nava Tehillah. They are worthy of praise. 
So comes Gemara and says, Al tikri nava tehila, ela neve tehila, which means their abodes. God gives beracha to the abodes, meaning to the dwellings of the tzaddikim. Laisharim to the good ones, to the righteous ones, neve. Neve is the abode, tehila, deserves praise. Now, whose abode, whose house, whose dwelling do you see God berachah from Akadosh Baruch Hu? Moshe and David. Shelo shaltu sonehen b'maasehem. When the enemies came in, the enemies were not able to destroy the handiwork of Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning that's the Mishkan, which Moshe Rabbeinu built, or in Mo'ed, nor were they able to build to destroy David HaMelech's handiwork. It's Ma'alokar, what David HaMelech's handiwork is. Either it's what's called Ir David, the city of David, which they refer to it as Mitsudat David, right? That's where his house was. So it says when they came in the times of Sitkiyah, so it says the gates over there that were made out of uh, copper, or they were made out of metal, the gold, they swallowed into the ground. So his fortress, that they call it, was protected from the enemies, right? It just got swallowed underneath the ground. Normally the enemies would take the gold gates and things like that, right? Maybe they left the wooden gates, but they took the silver gold gates, that, so it got saved. So others explain it's referring to the gates that David Melech prepared for the Bet HaMikdash, even though David did not build the Bet HaMikdash. But he did prepare the gates of the Bet HaMikdash. When the enemies came to destroy the temple, the Pasuk says, That the ground swallowed in the gates. So you see that David's handiwork was left intact. David Again, it's either Ir David or the gates of the temple that he prepared. Moshe, Tamar Mor, Mikdash Rishon. Nignaz oil moed, kerasav, kerasav, ubriha, ba'amudav, ba'adanab, and all its components. That's the handiwork of Moshe Rabbeinu. Hecha amar, hecha, I'm sorry, where are they? Right, where, where, where is it? Where did the oil moed uh, get hidden? Amar of Hazda, Amar avimi. Under the tunnels underneath the Hechal. She's by the Temple Mount. Underneath the ground is kind of certain tunnels that are under the actual sanctuary. And over there, that's where they hid the uh, Temple of the Oil Mo'ed of Moshe with all its components. Now the Gemara comes along in a Braita and gives a Musar. The Musar is basically the following principle. When somebody goes after something that doesn't belong to them, not only don't, which would not only won't they reach their their goal to get the isur, but what they had already, they lose. So they they lose two things. On one, they, their goal they don't succeed, and what they had, that already is taken away from them. And the Gemara gives a classic example. <coughs> the sota, Tarul Banan. Sota natna eneha bimishe enura uila. Right, she put her eyes on a man that's not uh, befitting to her. Mash biksha lo nitanna. Umash biyada natluhu mimena. Right, what she wanted to go after the boel, they, they take away from her because she's not allowed to be with him. Right, she becomes Asura Leboel. And what she had, that's her husband, she's forbidden as well. And not only that, as she says, but she even loses her Ketubah. Which means now they force her to get divorced, and she loses Ketubah. So what she had, she loses. She, yeah, she's Asura Leboel. Oh, what about the Boel? Very good. So the uh, Boel himself, you have to say, well, he loses that he can't go with that lady. You have to see what he loses in his own life. If I should even ask that question, that what does he lose? He must lose something uh, in his own life as a result of the uh, of the act. Or maybe he loses his money. We said right because we said in the pasuk, uh, right? Kibad isha zona ad kikar lahem. Right, person that goes with snoot loses uh, loses money. So therefore, it could be he loses his uh, right something that he had. He loses. Good. Shekol anoten einav b'ma she'eno shelo. 
מה שמבקש הם נותנים לו, ומה שבידו נותנים ממנו, וכן מצינו בנחש הקדמוני. Now the Gemara gives examples. One example, a classic example, is the original snake, נחש קדמוני, שנתן עיניו במה שאינו ראוי לו. Right, he put his eyes on Hava. The Farshim say that he actually had Tashmish with Hava, like the Pasuk says, Hanahash Hishiani. Hishiani is Melashon Tashmish. He put his eyes on Hava, this doesn't belong to him. Mashbikesh Lonatnulo, well that's obvious, right? He didn't get it, God did not allow him to stay with Hava or with mankind. And what he had, they took from him. Which we'll see now exactly what they took from the snake. The snake was supposed to be the king of the jungle. He was supposed to be the king of all the animals. Now you're going to be the cursed from all the animals. I said that you're going to walk upright. Originally the snake was like a human being in the sense it walked upright the snake. Now God cut the legs of the Nahash and now he would crawl on his belly. And I said originally you were going to eat the food of a human being. Right? Now he's going to eat the dust of the earth. Who Amar? The snake said. That was his goal. To kill Adam Arishon so he could marry Hava. Now what happened? What was the punishment? God put a hatred, right, between mankind and the snake. There's a special uh, hatred that people have towards the snake, and that's a punishment. Now we're going to show... Many examples of people that went after things that were forbidden, they didn't get it, and what they had was taken away. Let's just read all the names, and then we'll go one at a time to explain their story. Okay, so let's go one step at a time to see all these uh, people that lost what they got. Number one is Cain. Cain and Hevel were together in the land. The Pasuk says that Hevel was born with two sisters. Like the Pasuk says, Et Ahiv Et Havel. Et, et, the two eighteen come to include the two girls that were born with Hevel, with Hevel, that's correct. And Cain, being the firstborn, wanted to take the extra twin of Hevel. He was born with a twin sister, but he wanted to take the extra for himself. That was the basis of the fight. What he went after, he did not get. And what he had already, he lost. What does that mean? Either he became a... Na'vanad, right? He became a nomad, and eventually he died because of that sin. So he didn't profit, and even on the good that he had, he lost. The next one was Korah. Korah is obvious. Korah went after the Kehunah, and even what he had, he lost. At the time he was a Levi, he got swallowed along with all his courts, and therefore he lost even what he had. Bil'am. He went after the Jewish people, but specifically the money of Balak. If you remember, he went uh, uh, to advise Balak how to kill the Jewish people, and he succeeded to kill 24,000 Jewish people. When he went to get paid, to get the money, what happened? On the way there to go pick up his money, so it says Bil'am died. So what he wanted to go after, he didn't accomplish means the money, and what he had, his life, was taken away from him. Doeg. Doeg was one of the advisors of Shaul Melech. Doeg Adomi is the one that was a tremendous Tamil Hakam and all that. However, Doeg was the one that spoke Lashon Hara. 
to Shaul HaMelech on the city of Nov in a Kohanim. As a result, David, Shaul went on that Lashon Ara and killed out the entire city. Again, his goal was in order to put down David HaMelech. His goal was to, you know, that David should not uh, uh, elevate. What he went after, he didn't succeed. David eventually became the king of Israel. And what happened to Doeg? He died at the young age of 34. Like the Pasuk says on these people, and Shedamimu Mirma, Lo Yehesu Yemehim. Right? Men of blood, and Shedamimu Mirma, and deceit, Lo Yehesu Yemehim. They will not even live half of their days. Ahitophel also put his eyes on the Melucha. He wanted the kingdom of David, like it says in the Gemara. It says he saw a certain light that was emanating from him, Ahitophel that is, and he thought that the kingdom is going to come from him, and therefore he tried to fight David HaMelech and give bad advice, and the Torah tells us that he got punished. He died at the young age of 33. That's Ahitophel. Gehazi, Gehazi went after the money of Naaman. Elisha, the prophet, told his servant Gehazi, don't take any of the money of Gehazi, of uh, Naaman, that Elisha cured him from Sarat. Gehazi went after the money, and what? The money he didn't end up benefiting from. And he himself and his children became lepers. Abshalom wanted to become the king to take over his father's uh, uh, throne, and he also died, as the Gemara is going to elaborate, in his rebellious uh, attempt of the coup. Adoniah bin Hagit, that was also the son of David Melech, he wanted the uh, Pilegish of David. Her name was Avishag Hashunamit. He tried to take her, and he wanted to take the king as well, the kingdom as well. He was killed by Shalom Melech eventually later on. Uziah, the king of Yehuda, who was a uh, king at the times of the Beit Hamikdash, wanted to assume the role of Kohen as well. Uziah was not a Kohen, but he wanted to assume Kehuna. Uh, eventually, he became a Mitzorah himself. Haman, which is obvious, wanted to destroy all Klai Yisrael. Not only didn't he destroy Klai Yisrael, but he himself lost his position and eventually was hung. So you see, people that go after things that uh, don't belong to them, they're not going to succeed. And more than that, what they have, they usually... Luz comes the Gemara and continues. Minahanemile. It says, she sinned, the Sota that is, she sinned with her thigh first. So therefore, in the punishment, the thigh gets punished first. Because we said the thigh is the first part of the body that the lady has, the anaphrim. So the Gemara says, Maybe, how do you know that she gets punished from the thigh first? Maybe because it says when the Kohen is cursing her, the Kohen warns her first what's going to happen. The Pasu says, Because it says in the curse that what? Your, your legs, your thigh is going to buckle and your stomach is going to swell. But the Pasu says when it actually happens, the pasuk says, That first the stomach explodes, and then the legs uh, crumble. So it was Amar Kilayit, when the queen curses, When he curses, he curses the Yerech first, because that was the first part of the body to have pleasure, and then he curses the Betin Ayit. Umaya, but the water is when she drinks them, Ki badke, ki urhayu badke. It works on her in the order of its going in. First it hits the stomach, and then it goes down and goes after the legs. Betin beresha, vadar yarech. So now the Gemara questions. Even when the Quran was cursing, he also says, Litzbot batin villanpil yarech. He says, to the swelling of your stomach and to the falling of your legs. So in the curse itself there's a contradiction. So the Gemara says, no, Which means the Kohen wants to curse her in the order that she had pleasure. Your thigh and then your stomach. 
But when it happens, it happens in the order that the waters go down. So in the curse itself, the Kohen has to tell her, and, it's, and, your, and your stomach and your thigh, so the people won't speak against aspersions on the waters. Because they're going to come along and say, Ah, the Kohen said, uh, you know, the thigh and then the stomach. And it didn't happen, it happened the reverse. So even in the curse, he does say, uh, Betin first and then Yarech. But he mentions Yarech and Betin in that order because of the Yarech of the Midah. Yarech and Midah as well. Now the Gemara goes on to tell us the story of Shimshon. Let's just review quickly outside the story of Shimshon, just so we have a clarity and understanding what took place. Shimshon lived at the times of the Shofetim. In this time, the Jewish people did not have a Zechut to fight against the Pilishtim. So Shimshon understood that he himself, without the help of the Jewish people that are not going to be successful, he himself has to wage the war against the Pilishtim. So what did he do? He went and he made a plan. His plan was he's going to marry a lady from Pilishtim, right? It's a question, he converted her, he didn't convert her. We'll take the cases, the shittot that say he converted her, but the was, conversion was done, let's say, in a private way where nobody knew. And then he would do it in a way where he would create now, he would live with the Pilishtim, and he would create instigations between him and the Pilishtim, he would instigate them, they would now attack him, now we'd have an excuse to go after him. So it was all a plan to instigate the Pilishtim, to, he wanted to make a war. And he goes out and he killed them. And this was his, his plan. So the Gibran is going to discuss the intent of Shimshon when he took these, when he took these ladies. So the Gibran says, Shimshon halach ahar inav. Shimshon, they say, went after his eyes. Which means, even though Shimshon was a great man, he was the Shem Shamaim, no question about it, but to a certain extent, when it says he went after his eyes, which means there was a certain amount of Ile Shem Shamaim, which means there was a certain amount of pleasure that he derived. He went after his eyes when he married these Pilishti ladies. Therefore, at the end of Pilishtim, what happened? At the end, they gouged his eyes out. Like, we're in at the end of the story. Now we go to another personality. Abshalom, son of David. He flaunted his hair. As we learned in Masichet Nazir, Abshalom was a Nazir, and his hairs and locks were very heavy. Beautiful hair. So he showed off his Sa'arot, and what ended up happening? Right? He got hung by his hair. Like the Gemara will tell us the story. He had relations with the ten concubines of his father, his Abshalom, rebellious son. So in the war, when they went against Abshalom, they lanced them with the sword ten Times one for each time he went with the pidei The pasuk says, to read it accurately, "Vayasobu asara ne'arim nosek le'yoav vayakut avshalom vaymituhu lefichach ulfi." Continue the Mishnah. Sheganav gimel genevot avshalom stole three things. Lev Aviv, the heart of his father. Lev Betin, the heart of Betin. Lev Yisrael, and the heart of the Jewish people. Lefichach, nitkeu bo gimel shevatim. They took three sticks and they also lanced it into the heart of Avshalom. Shnei Emar veyikach shiloshas shevatim bechapo veyitkaim. Now let's just review the story of Avshalom very quickly so we know exactly what it means. He stole the heart of his father, of Betin, and of Kla Yisrael. The way Avshalom mustered up support for his rebellion is he tricked his father. He told his father that he made a vow that he has to bring Korbanot, so he wants to go up to Hebron. His father said, okay, so what do you need from me? He says, well, I need you to sign me a, a paper that you uh, allow me to go up with two members of the, of the uh, Sanhedrin, so to speak. Which means, I want to escort. So if you tell the Sanhedrin that they should escort me, so they'll, they'll listen. 
So David Amir said, you know, uh, this is to authorize that, you know, he could take two members. So what did uh, Avshalom do? He went to two members of the Senate, he showed them the paper, he brought them, okay, now they're walking to the to Hebron. He went to two other members and showed it to them and said, uh, you know, David, and they kept on thinking, the two people, that it was them. So therefore, by the end of the day, he had 200 people with him, and now it's a formidable, uh, formidable people, Sadiqiyah, the big, big rabbis. So therefore, now with that, he was able to sh- tell the man, listen, uh, would, uh, would my father uh, tell me all this if I was not to be the <coughs> successor of the of the throne? Well, and from that, he stole his father's uh, heart, which means he tricked him. That, that's not the intent that David wrote that letter. He tricked Betin, obviously, into thinking that uh, this was authorized. And he tricked the name of Israel, because the Jewish people thought that, well, all these rabbis here, they got the letter from David, so it must be that this is uh, authorized. So therefore, he got punished with three sticks that they lanced into his heart. Gandhi Mishnah says, which means, don't think that God only uh, punishes people in a measure for measure, <coughs> but God also rewards measure for measure. How do you know that? Miriam Miriam waited for brother Moshe Shahat. Tosfot the Masikh Barakot says Shahat is about fifteen minutes. She didn't wait such a long time. She stood by the banks of the water in order to see what was going to happen to Moshe. And the Pasuk says, Right? She stood from far. You wait? We're going to wait for you. That when she spoke, she became uh, filled with leprosy. So it says the whole entire camp was delayed seven days to wait for Miriam to become pure. Why did they wait? You're going to matri out millions of people. She waited for her brother. And Moshe Rabbeinu is connected called Klai Israel. So therefore, Kol Klai Israel will wait for Midah connected Midah. Yosef Zachal Likbor et Abif. Who buried Yaakov Abinu? The burial was done by Yosef. He was the greatest of all the brothers. Yosef was the greatest in stature. We know that Yosef rose up to bury his father. And also the royal chariots followed him. So you see, Yosef was the most hashuv, but he humbled himself and he buried his father. As great as Yosef was, So the greatest one is buried by the greatest one, Moshe Rabbeinu. You buried your father, you're the greatest one, so now when you die, the greatest one is going to be involved in your burial. Not when he died, but actually in his uh, taking him out of Egypt. Moshe Zachab Atzmo Yosef. There's nobody greater than Moshe Rabbeinu in the Klai Yisrael. But Yikach Moshe, it asmot Yosef Rimo. Mi gadol mi Moshe, and who's greater than Moshe? Shelon it asik bo elam makom. God says you were the greatest man, and you involved yourself in the burial of Yosef. When Moshe died, God says I am going to be involved in your burial. Shne Emar vayikbor oto bagai. Right? That's God. God buried Moshe Rabbeinu. This is to all the righteous people. The glory of God collects the Sadiqim. Shimshon rebelled with his eyes. Shimshon tells his father, The first wife that he took, he, she was a Pinishti lady. He says, Take her for me because she's, she's straight in my eye. So the says, Again, this is a, a Lashon that the Pasuk is trying to say, Shimshon, there was a drop of uh, personal uh, benefit over here. So therefore, what? He went after his eyes. So therefore, he 
His parents didn't realize that all this was from God. This was part of the plan that he should go infiltrate into the Pindishtim, take their wives. So it's from Hashem, so he did a good thing. So what are you telling me that uh, he went after his eyes? Says, Ki azal azal. Which means, you're right. Even though it was from God, but a person has free will. And therefore, in the free will of it, he went after his, uh, his uh, drop, a tinge, enough to be punished. Tanya Rabbi Where was the sin actually done? It was done in the city of Aza, meaning when he took this the girl, he lived in Aza, and that's it seems where the Pegam was. Therefore, where was his eyes gouged out? In the city of Aza. That's why he got punished in Aza. What do you mean? He wasn't in Aza. He got married to the girl in Timnat. So therefore, Timnat. So therefore, it should be punished in Timnat. In Timnat, was the same Shabbat still. The Kilkul didn't come till Aza. Then we got punished over there. Again, this whole discussion, we have to learn the story of Shimshon correctly again. It's not for now, but you have to know exactly how did he take the... Again, like I said, either they converted or they weren't converted. She was a Goya. It's the whole question. He was allowed to take a Goya. This was an exception exception case. Right? Uh, he took the, he didn't take her as a wife. The Torah is only forbidding uh, to take a Goya as a wife. Don't marry them, but to take her as a non-wife, that's only a Sumdrabanan. And therefore that's what he was doing. But there was an Eid Hashem Shabbat. So that's, uh, you have to know that whatever he was doing here was in the guidelines of the Halakha. It was just that there was like a Pegam over here that they felt, and the Chazmaruch obviously felt. Now, after that, after the first lady he took, Okay, that's the famous story of Shimshon and Delila. Right, he saw a girl from the Asurik, her name was Delila. Tanya, Rabbi Omer, If her name was not Delila, her name was befitting to be called Delila, which means she lived up to her name. Why? She weakened, Delila is like the Dal, to impoverish. She impoverished his strength. She impoverished his heart. Even his good deeds. As a result of Delila persuading Shimshon, he even lost his, uh, his transmission with God. That says, How do we know that he lost his strength? Shimshon was Gibor. He was the strongest man. But he lost his strength. He was in Aziz. Let's just review the story. And she was trying to get out of him. Where's the source of his strength? And she, he kept on giving her different uh, excuses where his strength comes from. Finally, he said, the strength is in my nizirut, in his hair. That's where he gets it from. So she went and cut his hair. As a result, he lost his strength. And even his heart, he weakened. Which means, and she seduced him in such a way where she was able to get his whole heart out. He revealed all the secrets of his heart. Namely, that he was a Nazir. That the Shechina left him. Now, she was trying to seduce him. Where's your strength? And he kept on saying, it's this, it's that. But it wasn't. Right? So it says, Finally, he realized, she realized that what? He revealed to Shimshon all his heart. How did she know at the end when he said that his strength is in the Nizirut? How did she know that that was the truth? At the end, she believed him on the, on the last item that he said. How did she know that? Because we have a rule that the truth is recognizable. What do you mean it's recognizable? Which means... Even though he, he lied to all the other times, but the final thing he said, she said to herself, this is the item. Why? So that she says, because it made sense, why is his hair so long? Why does he never drink wine? She started to put two and two together, and says, this last item that he said, that's the item, that's the emit. Uh, she knew another way how the last time was emit. He knew that Shimshon was a Sadiq. He would never say God's name in vain. 
Kevan Daman Nizir Elohim Ani. When it came to the last time, he said, I am a Nizir of God. Amra Hashtab Adai Kushta Ka'amar. For sure he's telling the truth now. Because he's not going to lie in using the name of God. So those are two understandings. Either it made sense to her, or she heard the name of God. Last point. It says she pressured it out of him. She caused him so much pressure, so therefore he gave, uh, he gave in. How did she pressure him? That always at the end of the bi'ah, she moved away. And therefore, that's when the uh, Hana'ah was the strongest for Shimshon, and he kept on, she kept on torturing him by moving away from him. So he could not f- f- finish the bi'ah. So that was a torture to uh, Shimshon. As he says, Bish'at gemar miruba. And therefore she was uh, playing games with him. And therefore the pressure got so strong that he had to reveal his heart. Baruch Anu'ali Amen.